You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Uh, Here at Crossing Crown, we believe that the Bible is God's word to his people, and that means that when we read the Bible, we are hearing God speak. Today's Bible reading is from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. I will be reading from the CSB version. Um, Please follow along in your own Bibles, and the passage will also be displayed on the screens. Let's hear God's word together. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires, and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Well, it's a great uh, delight to be with you, uh, enjoying our fellowship in the Lord Jesus together, and also a great privilege to be uh, preaching to you this morning. So thank you so much for your invitation The theme of my sermon is, Alive from the Dead, Offer Yourselves to God. I wonder if you've ever heard a sermon series on Romans. I have many times. And uh, often the sermon, the purpose of the sermon series is to tell us that we have to get our doctrine right. We have to have the right belief about God and Christ and his atoning death. And that is right. Or the sermon series says, well, this is what the gospel is, and so therefore we ought to be actively involved in evangelism. Uh, That's also right. But the interesting thing is Romans, in Romans, is that the imperatives, that is the instructions, don't come until chapter 6. That is, what you're meant to do in response to this message. You're alive from the dead. Offer yourselves to God. 
Well, I hope you know that Jesus died for you in your place as your substitute. I hope you know that on the cross, he died to pay the penalty for your sin, to make you clean from sin, to rescue you from Satan's power, to save you from God's condemnation and judgment. Jesus died for you, and then Jesus rose for you on the third day to give you new life, to give you the Holy Spirit, to make intercession for you at God's right hand, and to reign until all his enemies are defeated when he comes again. All this Jesus did for you. But as we learn in Romans 6, as surely as Jesus died for us, so also we died with Jesus. As surely as Jesus died for us, just as surely we died with Jesus. And just as surely as Jesus rose again for us, so just as surely we were raised when Jesus was raised from the dead. For Jesus embraced us to himself in his death and in his resurrection. So Jesus' death and resurrection is part of our history, our identity, our reality. Jesus embraced us to himself in his death and in his resurrection. We died with him, we rose with him. And so his death and resurrection, they are a part of our history, our identity, our reality as individuals and as God's people. And this is good news because by ourselves we cannot defeat the power of sin. And by ourselves, we cannot live in righteousness. Jesus' death was so powerful, it not only uh, satisfied the judgment of God and defeated Satan, but Jesus' death was so powerful that when he died, his power in dying enables us to die to sin today. And Jesus' resurrection was so powerful that God not only raised Jesus from the dead, but in raising Jesus from the dead, he raised us to new life. And of course, by Jesus' resurrection from the dead, God will raise everybody on the last day. Our death to sin and our living a new life by the power of Jesus' death and by the power of his resurrection is both a result of his death and resurrection and also a sign of our future resurrection. Well, let me ask you, is death to sin part of your daily lives? Do you know what it is to die to sin? Do you repent of your sins every day? Do you see constant progress in your life 
as God reveals more of your sins and you kill them. After 60 years as a Christian, God is kindly still revealing sins I hadn't noticed before. And by the power of Jesus' death, he enables me to kill them. What are your current sins? And are you putting them to death? And are you changing the way you live by the power of Christ's resurrection? This morning I decided to come by motor car rather than by boat, though it was a difficult decision because the roads were so wet. But in the last few years I've been asking God to show me the sins which are invisible to me but perfectly obvious to him and to everybody else. And his reply was, driving with hatred in your heart. Driving with hatred in your heart. I know that one ought to love one's neighbour, but I didn't ever apply that on the road. So, if somebody cut in in front of me, <clears throat> that showed them. If someone passed me going over the speed limit, I'd show them, pass them, and then slow down just to teach them. And I found white vans particularly infuriating. I don't know if any of you drive a white van, but if so, you've been the bane of my life. I was going to preach at a church, and they gave me a theme from Proverbs on the use of the tongue. It was a beautiful Sunday morning. Streets were empty. I was driving slowly to church, at this church to preach feeling cheery, and would you believe, not one, but two, but three white vans pulled out in front of me. It might have been the same white van, now I think about it. But anyway, whatever, whatever it was, there was uh, it was a, th a threefold experience. So I replied with appropriate language. I don't have children, so I can use language like that in the car. And then I had to preach on the use of the tongue. Well, God showed me this sin, and I started trying to put it to death, which I could only do by praying fervently before I drove my car that God would enable me to love my neighbour on the road, even drivers like some of you. <laughs> well, the first day I lasted two minutes, and then I lost my cool. I can now, three years later, manage an hour and a half, perhaps with a kind of pick-up prayer on the way through. So I've been putting a sin to death and trying to live in righteousness, that is by praying for every other driver on the road, even the, the, uh, even the people who don't drive very well.
So, what are your sins? And are you putting them to death? People say to me, it must be wonderful to be in Christian ministry because there are so few sins you can commit. I say, it's, it's much worse than that. But because in ministry you can still suffer from envy, worry, laziness, overwork, gossip, resentment, unforgiveness, impatience, pride, selfishness. And these are horrid sins in every believer, but particularly revolting sins in people who are meant to be leaders of churches. Well, John Owen, the uh, great 16th, uh, 17th century uh, theologian and minister, wrote a little book on the mortification, that is, the putting to death of sin. Here's uh, three sayings from that book. I've modernised the language so you can cope with it. The first one is, kill sin or it will kill you. Kill sin or it will kill you. The second one is, the habit of sins removes our awareness of them and seeing the same sins in others takes away the shame of them. Isn't that interesting? Because I know, as you know, that the first time you commit a sin, you think, oh, that was awful. But the second time, it isn't that awful. And the third and fourth time, you stop noticing it. And if people around you are committing the same sin, people in your church, for example, well, you won't be embarrassed about it. If you're in a prayerless church, your prayerlessness won't be an embarrassment to you because nobody else is out praying you. If you're in a gossiping church, your gossip won't seem so dreadful because everybody else is gossiping. The habit of sins removes our awareness of them. The same sins in others takes away the shame of them. And the third saying from John Owen, well, it's a double sentence. First point you are under the power of sin. You, don't, you may not know that, but if you don't know it, then you are. And the second statement, if you put sin to death and live by the power of Jesus' resurrection, you're not under the power of sin. A friend of mine is uh, actually preaching at St Jude's today and I pinched some words from his sermon which I looked at on Thursday. He says, we hide sins, we don't kill them. We, we hide sins, we don't kill them. We hide them from ourselves and from others, but we don't kill them. And what restricts your usefulness to God? Is it lack of gifts, lack of time, lack of energy, lack of resources? No, it is your sin and your sins. And how odd that we share our lives, our worries, our challenges, our achievements, our plans, our hopes, but not our sins. 
And I think superficial fellowship and superficial friendships are the curse of the Christian church. How's life going? How's your day? Well, I think we'll answer that question according to happiness. I've had a happy day. Health. I had a bit of a headache but got over it. Or productivity. But not sin. And not righteousness. What does Romans 6 say to us? What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Well, Paul, how did we die to sin? Answer, are you, are you unaware that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? But also, therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in a, a new way of life. So both then, Paul, yes. For if we've been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be joined to him in the likeness of of his resurrection. Well, Paul, how did this happen? Well, we died with him, so we're free from sin's power. As Paul wrote, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished. Sin's dominion abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since the person who has died is freed from sin's claims. So therefore, we shall live with Christ and so live to God. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And Paul means now. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him, for in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. And so what should we do, Paul? Consider, that's a... It's hard to translate the word reckon we often use or count or recognize or know or understand. But it's more than understanding. It's living this way. Consider that you are dead to sin and alive to God. Consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Two, don't live under the power of sin. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Because sin is not just something we do, it's something which controls us. You know that, don't you? 
You can think of those sins which control you. I hope you can think of those sins which control you. They may be scarcely visible to you, but they're very visible to God and perfectly obvious to the rest of us, unless you've hidden them very deeply in your behavior. As Jesus says in John 8, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. As I would say, Every time we sin, sin blinds us to its presence. And if you don't live under the power of sin, you won't offer any part of you for sin to use and don't offer any part of it, your mortal body, as weapons for unrighteousness. So consider that you're dead. So... Don't live under the power of sin. Don't offer any part of you for sin to use. But then you're alive from the dead. Offer yourselves and every part of you to God. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. And uh, the next verse in Romans, find freedom from God's sin's power over you in God's grace. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Now, people often come to talk to me about their problems, and I'm very happy to talk to people about their problems. I think of the people who've come to talk to me, 95% have come to talk to me about their problems, And I'm very happy to talk to people about their problems. And only 5% have come to me to say, I'm trying to put a sin to death. How do I do it? But actually the other 95% need to know this as well. This is what I say. You must recognise, renounce, and repent of your sin and its pleasures or benefits. That's not just to think, oh, I'm sad I did it. It's to think that I recognize that it was a sin. I renounce it, that I I step away from it, and I repent of it. I say to God, it was wrong to do, and there were pleasures which it brought (laughs) But they were bad pleasures, and I must repent of those pleasures as well. This is not remorse. When you're remorseful, you feel sorry for yourself because you've done something wrong. That's not the same as repentance. And we often think of sins as things that we do. But as a matter of fact, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about sins as debts, that is, things that we should do that we fail to do. Now, I'm very conscious of things that I've done over my ministry, which were well-intentioned but actually caused damage to other people. That's inevitable. I'm a human being like everybody else. I can think, 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 easily think of things I've done wrong, of my sins. It's much harder to think of things, good things that I did not do, the debts of love which I owed other people or God which I did not pay. So no wonder we have to ask God's gracious Holy Spirit to bring to the surface in our minds and our memories and our hearts the sins we have committed. 
recognize, renounce and repent of your sin and its pleasures, then receive forgiveness and cleansing by the blood of Christ. So we don't just stay aware of our sin, but we receive, consciously receive and praise God and praise him with full hearts for the forgiveness and the cleansing he offers us by the blood of Christ. But here's the third, here's the third point. And resolve to die to the power of that sin, sin next time you're tempted and to live in the power of Christ's resurrection. There's not a lot of point in going on repenting of the same sin day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and not making some progress. I love that moment in uh, Ephesians where Paul says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather labour with his hands to give to those in need. That is, you've been doing something wrong, try to think of the opposite. So, I've been driving maliciously, vindictively and hatefully. What am I trying to do now? (laughs) With limited success this morning. But nevertheless, in general, what I'm trying to do is to love my neighbour on the road. You see, I have been hating, but God calls me to love. So the best replacement for sin is an act of righteousness. But I can only die to sin by the power of Christ's death, and I can only live to righteousness by the power of Christ's resurrection. I cannot do it with my own strength. Only with the strength of Jesus' almighty and powerful death and his almighty and powerful resurrection. And so, let's look at Paul's instructions again. Consider that you're dead to sin and alive to God. Don't live under the power of sin. Don't offer any part of you for sin to use. You're alive from the dead. Offer yourselves and every part of you to God. Find freedom from sin's power over you in God's grace. Dear friends, please notice the order. You can't live a resurrection life, a new life, without death, can you? You can't experience the power of Jesus' resurrection unless you experience the power of Jesus' death. First of all, consider that you are dead to sin and alive to God with Christ. Then it'll be possible for you to not live under the power of sin. As one translation has it, let sin be dethroned in your life. It doesn't mean you're not tempted. It doesn't mean that you won't occasionally fail. That continues as long as you live. But don't live constantly ruled by sin. As Jesus says, anyone who commits sin is a slave of sin, but the the truth sets you free and the Son sets you free. 
And if you don't live under the power of sin, then you won't offer any part of you for sin to use. And if you have died, you can then live. You're alive from the dead, so what can you do? Offer yourselves and every part of you to God and find freedom from sin's power over you in God's grace. Notice the miracle of God's grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. First to remove the penalty of our sin and then to remove its power and pain. The death of Jesus removes first the penalty of our sin and then its power over us and the pain it produces in us. How does this fit into the big picture of Romans? Well, let me read to you from chapter 3. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It's a pretty negative view of the human body, isn't it? If you went to a doctor and the doctor said, well, your throat is an open grave, and I can see the poison of vipers is under your lips, and I can see lots of, a dentist might say this, your mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, and your feet, well, when you go to podiatrist, they're swift to shed blood. Okay? There's one picture of humanity from Romans. Excuse me, musicians. Chapter 3. Chapter 12. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. What an extraordinary transformation. Your bodies are ruined, controlled by sin. Offer your bodies to God. That's a chasm, isn't it? And what's the bridge to cross the chasm? Consider that you're dead to sin and alive to God because you died with Christ. Don't live under the power of sin. Don't offer any part of you for sin to use. You're alive from the dead. Offer yourselves and every part of you to God. Find freedom from sin's power over you in God's grace. What a miracle. What a transformation. What an amazing change. What wonderful grace. What immense generosity that God allows people, changes people whose lives are corrupt. Not only does he forgive them their sins, but he also transforms them, changes them, so that they can offer their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. How does God effect that transformation, that, that wonderful change, that wonderful growth? The answer is by the power of Jesus' death and by the power 
of Jesus' resurrection. Well, dear friends, I hope that the power of Jesus' death is at work in your lives. And I hope the power of Jesus' resurrection is in work in your lives as well. Consider that you're dead to sin and alive to God. Don't live under the power of sin. Let sin be dethroned. Don't offer any part of you for sin to use. For you are alive from the dead. So offer yourselves. You're free because you're alive from the dead to offer yourselves and every part of you to God and find freedom from sin's power over you in God's grace. Now this morning I have put before you a great challenge. And I would love to sit down with each one of you and talk to you about how I've managed to change by the power of Christ's death and resurrection. And how you might change by the power of Christ's death and by the power of his resurrection. But I've written a prayer for us to pray and I'd like us to read through it uh, first of all and then if you decide you're ready to pray it, then pray it. So uh, I'll read it out. Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord, we praise you and thank you for your delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. We also praise and thank you that we all died with you in your death and we were all raised with you in your resurrection. Now here's the, here's the big thing. We reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in you. So we will not let sin reign in our bodies or obey its desires. We will not offer any part of our bodies to sin to serve unrighteousness. We're alive from the dead in you. We offer ourselves and every part of ourselves to God to serve him in righteousness. This is not a promise that you'll never sin again. This is saying that you want the you're planning that the trajectory of your life the overall pattern of your life is to be continually reformed changed transformed by the power of Jesus death and the power of his resurrection and you trust God that he will effect those changes in your life for his glory Let's be quiet for a moment and then I'm going to pray the prayer out loud. If you'd like to pray the prayer with me, then also pray it out loud to God.
If you're not ready to pray it, don't pray it. But instead pray that God would prepare you to pray this prayer in the future. We pray together. Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord, we praise and thank you for you were delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. We also praise and thank you that we all died with you in your death and we're all raised with you in your resurrection. We reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in you. We will not let sin reign in our bodies or obey its desires. We will not offer any part of our bodies to sin to serve unrighteousness. We're alive from the dead in you. We offer ourselves and every part of ourselves to God to serve him in righteousness. In your name and for your glory. Amen.